Hello everyone. Happy July 4th. Simon Jacobson here. The weekly global class, which is broadcast internationally. I feel honored to be able to be connecting so many people from so many different backgrounds. In the United States, we are honoring and celebrating the birthday of this country, which is called Independence Day, July 4th. In 1776, the country declared independence from Great Britain. And ever since, has honored this day as a fundamental day of the birthday of this uh, country, this great country. So I thought it appropriate, what better thing to talk about than independence? What does it mean to be independent? Do you feel independent? And all the questions that are related to this. I want to begin by dedicating the class, which is sponsored by Arik and Ariella Zander, in honor of their upcoming wedding anniversary. So congratulations to you. May the merit of these teachings serve you well and your family well for many years to come. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your kindness and thank you for your friendship. So, we titled this class, Are You Dependent, Codependent, or Independent? And we all know the word dependent is a very uh, loaded word, but also a very critical word in our lives. Some of us would say we are extremely dependent, dependent on others for validation, for confirmation, dependent on... Uh, people for security, financially dependent, emotionally, psychologically, the list goes on. Now, dependency itself can go to the extreme where we're not just dependent, we're desperate, we're subjugated, we're in servitude, like servants, like slaves. It can be, again, to our work, to others, to our fears. There's so many different ways one can be called dependent. Codependent, of course, is a more modern word used in a key situation where there's a dysfunctional um, or addictive person, you're codependent, meaning that you are in some ways maybe enabling them or not enabling them, but you're devolved. You say you're married to, the, to, to a, the spouse of an alcoholic. So there's a certain codependency that takes place, and that's what has been called, which is its own, has its own trappings, its own challenges. Today they have Al-Anon and other different types of programs and services and groups that help people deal with some type of thing when you're a partner with someone that is um, in a dependency state and there's the codependent element of it. And of course there's independence, which rings true and everyone loves to say I'm an independent person. We're, we live in an independent country. We have independent free will and choices to make and all the rights that we were given, which essentially is what July 4th is. Up to that point, this country... It was an early country in its infancy, was bound to laws of taxation, the laws that were in, imposed upon it from King George and the kings of Great Britain. It was essentially a British colony. And if, frankly, if you think about that part of time of history, the 18th century, to, up to that point, there was no such thing as independence. It didn't exist. Institutionalized independence was a complete non-existent entity. There were monarchs that ruled, there were monarchs that were kind monarchs. There were monarchs that were, were cruel. But it was an individual or a family that ruled. Or it was the church that ruled. or it was, uh, And it could have been corrupt forces. And it wasn't very often corrupt. And there was no such thing as a freedom of right. We didn't have guaranteed rights. That's why you look in the Declaration of Independence, what is stated right at the outset. That we, the people, found it necessary to untie ourselves from the bonds that we were bound to, with all, all the reasons given, and to declare an independence. That what? That all men, we hold these as truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, created equal. And by virtue of the Creator are endowed with unalienable rights, and that includes the rights of pursuit of happiness, and of course expression, and then the Bill of Rights, which grows out of that, freedom of religion, and all the other rights that are guaranteed in this country. All endowed to us by the Creator, that means it's not man-made. This isn't a man-made concept. This is something that we consider to be self-evident, that all people are created equal. And therein lies the heart of what true independence is, according to, this, according to the Constitution, according to the Founding Fathers, that no one can control another human being. 
Now that doesn't mean there aren't laws and there aren't checks and balances because for us to coexist, you need to have the rule of law and you need to have authority. But not, not authority that can intrude upon and that can revoke the basic rights of a human being. That everybody has a right to justice, everybody has a right to, um, to due process, and all the other rights, as I said again in the Constitution, without going into all the details. But it comes down to the basic rights of free expression, free speech, free press, freedom of religion, etc. Now, if a person breaks laws, or a person hurts another person, is a danger to society, they're laws. So independence doesn't mean you can just do whatever you like. That's not the meaning of independence. Independence means that your basic rights as a human being cannot be taken away from by anybody because they were not given to you by anybody. Good. But that still doesn't help us understand independence, and the best proof of it is very simple. Here we have a country that has, has declared independence for many years. The laws state it. You can prosecute someone, and you can litigate someone that discriminates against your rights. And yet, many people, if you ask them personally, do you feel free? They'll say, no. I feel trapped in my life. I feel overwhelmed by my life. I feel trapped by my own psychological fears, real or imagined. I feel trapped by my money pressures, surviving. I feel trapped by the people that are demanding and expecting things of me. The word trapped is very commonly used. Some people use the word overwhelmed. Some people use the word word drained. And some people say, yes, I'm a slave to Others, not necessarily a slave in the technical sense of the word, but my life, my psychological state of mind is such. So what about the independence that this country offers? We're not living with a monarch or a tyrant that dictating what you should or shouldn't do. So in other words, you can live in a country that the laws allow you to be freely exercise whatever you wish, and still you feel not independent, not free. So clearly there's much more to it. So we, of course, leads us and compels us to ask the bigger question, what is independence? Is it simply on a very physical level that you're not in prison, that you're not confined and locked in prison? Or is independence something more spiritual, psychological, emotional, a state of mind, a state of being? Now, obviously, it's a loaded question. The latter is true because you could have someone actually in prison and they can be very free-spirited. And you can have someone that can roam around and do whatever they like and feel completely trapped. Not to mention, which I didn't even get into, addictions, which many people call exactly that, slavery. You're enslaved to your addiction. Now, you may be getting some pleasure from it. And you may feel that it's giving you some relief, but that doesn't mean you're not enslaved. So the real answer, the real definition of independence, if I can give you a one-line definition, I would say, Many people would say, you can do whatever you want. I can go wherever I want, I can do whatever I want, and that's being free. There was a time, or there are times, where people tell you what you do, what to do, and now I can do whatever I want. But as I just pointed out, doing whatever you want is not freedom necessarily. It is a part of it that no one can tell you what to do, but that's not freedom because you can be trapped by your own self. As a matter of fact, you can be trapped by your own freedom because you don't know what to do, and it could, you can grow up in a home where you're allowed to do everything and still be the most trapped person. Here's the translation I would give for freedom. That there's nothing, no force outside of you that imposes itself on you expressing your true free spirit, that you can soar. No force, not outside, not inside, not without, not within, that stops you from singing your song, from soaring like an eagle, from spreading your wings, and being the best you can possibly be. So that's a whole different definition. You could have live in a country where you can freely express yourself and freely exercise your other rights, but not have this freedom that I'm describing. Because this freedom requires a psychological freedom. It requires you to feel that there is nothing, no fear, and no inhibition, and no other force that stops you from being yourself. And if you look around, as free as we may be, many people have not found themselves and are so often feeling secure, fearful, what others will say, 
judgmentalism, expectations. It often goes back to our childhood where our parents or other adults imposed their expectations and their demands on us. And that we are now still cowering even as adults, cowering to see, am I going to be liked to please others? So as much as we may be free in the technical sense of the word, and we're not in a prison, we're in an emotional and psychological prison. And that's what we need to learn to free ourselves of. Now, the founding fathers, when they founded this country, they at least guaranteed the rights that you could be physically free. But they could not provide psychological and emotional spiritual freedom unless we find that within. So you could have someone give you all the rights to exercise your freedom of choice, but if you have other forces, especially familial and societal forces and pressures, then the freedoms of that, are, that we are guaranteed of are not necessarily enough. They are still vital, but they're not enough. And that's why you see the converse. There, there were times in history, people who lived under terrible oppression, under literally slavery, and yet they were free within. I mentioned this a number of times, something that just always blows me away, amazes me. Think about it. You look at the great medieval Jewish scholars. I'm talking about people like Maimonides, Rambam, Rashi, and Rabbeinu Tam, the Balitesvist, and the people who lived in the 10th, 11th, 12th centuries later, earlier. They lived under horrible conditions. Constantly fear of pogroms, anti-Semitism of all sorts, expulsions, genocides. And yet when you look at the legacies they left us, you don't find books and documents of self-pitying, grieving, sobbing people. You find these uplifting, transcendent, soul-soaring works, whether it's commentaries on the Bible or on the Talmud, whether it's analysis of law, whether it's expositions on mystical teachings. You find a tremendous freedom, and you see that in literature. Today we have the idea of, they call decomposing literature, decomposition. By taking apart a book or a work of an author, you can identify what kind of time he lived in, what kind of life he lived, what kind of family he grew up in, because it's hidden, or sometimes more than hidden, pretty overt in his writings. If you decompose and you analyze these works, of Rashi, let's say, in Chumash, you think he was living in the south of France by a beach, calm, relaxed, composed. No, that wasn't the case. He was living under terrible circumstances, constant threats. Entire Jewish communities were wiped out. Books were burned. People were burned. Expulsions. And yet, had the presence of mind and spirit to be able to write these books, these are free human beings. Now imagine having that freedom, plus external freedom, that would already be messianic. And it's fascinating, I would say not fascinating, I would say actually sadly ironic, that often when we have the physical, the outer freedom, often our inner freedoms get compromised, because either we take it for granted or we become apathetic, our comfort zones. When you're pressured and you're forced to stand up for what you believe in, there's some type of inner peace that emerges like the eye of the tornado that can withstand all the pressures around. And so for some reason, when you don't have those outer pressures, you don't have the inner pressure to crystallize your belief systems. That's an irony. But that doesn't mean freedom and independence of the physical sort is not a blessing. If you look at Maimonides, he said, this is what all the chachamim, all the wise sages always desired, a time of peace. For many, this was why they desired the Messianic age, would it be peace in the world? Would it be calm? Would it be a, a, a tranquil environment where they could explore and learn and teach and search and probe the mysteries of the cosmos and of God and of existence and of their own souls? So now we do live in a world that you can say is on the outer surface free. And the challenge is how do we find the freedom that some of, many of these great men and women had when they were not living under such conditions. What is the secret formula? That is the key. Shailas Chacham Chachit 
The question, the wise question is half an answer. What is this freedom? What is the formula? How can we replicate it? How can we access it today? So again, vital to define what freedom is. Some people think freedom is having a mobile phone, being able to access any channel, any cable station, any piece of information, anytime, anywhere, anytime, anywhere, all information. Is that freedom? That is a great blessing. But what are you accessing? And are you trapped? Is your gadget, is your appliance holding you enslaved even though you feel you're emancipated? Sometimes you feel you're addicted to this. Because freedom has nothing to do with possessions. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with material acquisition. It has to do with a state of mind, spirit within. So we really need to get to is, what is the soul like? What is our souls like? If you don't get to know your soul, you'll never really, you will never be able to discover freedom. If it's your body and your bodily needs, and by extension all the physical parts of your life that define your life, those by definition have enslaving elements to it. If we were just to see ourselves as machines, machines, so yes, we're dependent on food, on drink, on oxygen, on sleep, on love, and many and a whole series of needs that every human being needs for survival. Just like, just like a machine, just like an automobile needs gas and needs oil and needs other liquids, so too we do. And then you hum along, you could be an efficient machine, but that's what it is, you're a machine. Is that a free life? Well, that's a life that's driven by a program. You have your needs. It could go smoothly, but it's hardly what one would call a free spirit. So if we are strictly physical entities, it's hard to imagine how one can really be free. You can be relatively free. I said you can be free of other people of oppression, but free within? Oh, you're trapped by whatever it is that you're dependent on. And unfortunately, if you fall if unfortunately into a home that is an unhealthy home, and you're subject to people who are abusive, invalidating, non-loving, non-nurturing, then you, are, you're, you become a slave to all the needs that you have, the desperation to find some love, to find some unconditional caring, and so on. We know that where that always brings us. But then, my dear friends, let's introduce another, get to know yourself, the soul that you have. We know about our soul a lot less than we do about our bodies. And of course, our soul's needs. And interesting, as we'll see, the soul's needs are very different than the body's needs. They're not needs that are dependencies, they're needs that allow the soul to soar. So if I were to use an analogy, an analogy I often use, which is straight, straight from the book of Proverbs, the soul is compared to a flame, and the body is compared to the wick. Ne'er Hashem nishmas adam. The candle, or the flame of God, is the soul of a human being. What do you see about a flame? A flame, even its physical properties, has a freeing nature to it. It does not, it's not subject to the laws of gravity. It defies gravity. Symbolic of a soul that reaches upward, transcendent. What is it about a bird that is so majestic? An eagle soaring in the skies. It reminds us of the type of unfettered life of someone who can spread their wings. Little children have that as well. You look at little children. They don't fly physically, but they fly psychologically. They explore, they giggle, they have a sense of free abandon, adventure. You have to sometimes watch them not to get themselves into trouble. But there's just a certain bubbly energy exuding from a child that is very compelling. That is who you really are. A flame, a flame flickering, a flame rising, a flame reaching. And then, however, we have a wick. The wick is our bodies that grounds us. It's necessary, but only as a counterforce, not as a dominant force that eliminates or extinguishes the flame. You want the wick to be the grounder. You want it to be the channeler. So we have bodies. We have physical lives. But never at the expense should it be of a spirit soaring. A bird also has a body, and a bird also has a nest. But the body and the bird's nest and the, the bird's nest and its body do not limit it from flying. So there's a time to fly and there's a time to rest. 
True independence is being able to access your inner self, who you really are, and spreading your wings. Let's hear your voice. In stark contrast to uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes, the voiceless, alas to those that die with their song still inside them. No, let us sing our song. Let you sing your song. Do you have the courage to do it? Do you dare to do it? And if you don't have the courage, it's not because you fundamentally don't have courage, it's because you've been convinced and actually deceived into thinking that you don't have it or people will disapprove or you'll fail when that's not true. So though in the Declaration of Independence the Founding Fathers didn't say embrace your soul and be free, but they spoke in a little different language. They said, by virtue of the Creator, we all have an unalienable rights. It's not an exact quote, it's the, the, the paraphrasing. All men are created equal. What does that mean? That you're created with a God-given right. You're, I would state it even more clearly, you are created with a God-given soul that is not bound by the natural parameters and borders and boundaries that bind this physical world. Now you'll say, am I saying that you don't have to eat or sleep or drink or breathe? Obviously you can't fly in the sky like an actual bird, physically. Obviously we have things that limit us because we are within bodies. But it's not a body having a spiritual experience, it's a soul traveling having a physical experience, traveling through a leg of his journey on the physical level. So the body is a vehicle. The body is not the dominant force. It's the vehicle for the soul to travel through this world. So it's bound and it's grounded and actually has a role to play. Because if the soul didn't have a wick, if the flame didn't have a wick, it would expire. That's not what we want either. We want to live in this world but not be of this world. We want to be here but transcend it. We want the structures but we want the structures structures to help us transcend and go beyond the structures. That's what we want. And as such, we have the soul and body working hand in hand. If you want more information on this, a little more detail, just check out my book, Toward a Meaningful Life, Chapter 1, called Body and Soul. Elaborates on this point. But that's the freedom, the freedom to look upward, the freedom to dream, the freedom to imagine. And that you can have even when you're in a prison. Now imagine being in a physical free place and the freedom to the spirit to soar. Then there are no limits. But even in oppression, there were people that had this freedom because they had the freedom that you cannot, you cannot trap me, you cannot frighten me with your, with your, with your conventional threats because I am a man of spirit and bodily threats do not affect spirit. But today we're blessed that we don't have to deal with that. We don't need to be facing the gun. We don't need to be facing oppressors in the physical sense of the word. Now oppression comes from within, the apathy, the comforts. There's always tomorrow, procrastination. We take it for granted. So independence is embracing the spirit that you are. But you need to know more about it. There's no way to access the song and your inner voice if you don't learn about that voice and if you don't exercise it and if you don't express it ask yourself when's the last time you sang your song not your parents song not the song of others demanding something you know, some people would say I don't even know the last time I sung any song but your own song try it out I know in the shower many of us just sing it, whether we have good voices whether we can carry a tune or not to the annoyance of some of our family but, and there is something to be said about that because it's a way of like breaking out. And some of us do it through exercise and some of us do it through uh, sports and some of us do it through running. You know, there's different ways you break out. But what you really above all want is your soul to sing. And your soul sings, interestingly, you know when? When you are a giver. When you are sharing. When you are inspiring. And it comes down to a simple formula. There's takers and there's givers. 
Now there's a time to take, there's a time to give. But the dominant force in your life is giving. And it's interesting, as, as paradoxical as it sounds, the giver is always more confident than the taker. Because the taker, whether he acknowledges it or not, is always feels that for me to be complete, I need to get something. That's not a very secure position. The giver never makes such a statement. I give, and I'm happy giving, and I don't become less because of it. So which one builds confidence? Now, of course, in every good relationship, there's a give and take, but it's a balance. Very often in this world, we, we gravitate toward the selfish, toward the narcissistic, toward the parasitic even. And we almost feel like we're uh, being taken advantage of if we're not getting something for something we give. There's something tremendously freeing by giving. Giving of yourself, giving of your time, of your money, and giving of your spirit, of something that you were blessed with and you share with another through advice, other ways. There's unbelievable power in that. It feeds you. It's nourishing. So so many people think chesed, kindness, charity is a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. You're blessed with more. It's only right to share with those that have less. But there's something more going on. You're actually exercising a part of your being. Just like exercising a muscle. You're exercising the spiritual muscle of your faculty called chesed, of kindness, of love and kindness. And when you exercise something, what happens? The muscle expands. It gets stronger. It actualizes more of its potential. That's what love is about. That's what giving is about. And that makes you a freer person. I remember meeting somebody who unfortunately grew up in a home a lot of problems, and everything was stripped from her. Her dignity, her respect, self-respect, her right to express herself. And then came a point through her own healing and difficult healing process, came to a point said to me, you know, 25 years I've been taken advantage of. I've been giving, 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 or actually been taking. Now it's for me time for me to take. I'm going to take care of myself. No one's ever taken care of me. And in her own way, even though a very fine person, became very self-consumed. And I, of course, I always respect people, and I'm not interested in judging, I'm not judging. But I would subtly say to her, you know, I understand that, you know, 25 years of giving, now is going to be 25 years of taking, you'll be 50 years old, and maybe you'll be balanced out. But you don't understand, when you'll learn to give on your terms, not because someone's forcing you to, you will be actually a far greater taker. Not a taker for yourself, but you'll actually be able to take in a healthy way. I would argue many times with this person, I think I prevailed ultimately, not completely, but got through. Because that is the tendency. If you've been deprived of oxygen, so what do you think? Is your, your independence is going to be no more deprived? Now I'm grabbing all the oxygen I can take. It's like a drowning victim. But in turn, what happens, you end up becoming... Maybe the maybe the 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 what's the word I want to use the the antithesis of what you were, but then you've gone to the other extreme, which which has its own pitfalls. What you find, want to find is balance. You want to not be forced to give, not be forced to be nobody, but to give at your own volition. That's called independence. The your power. So yes, you became, indep- you became dependent and you became enslaved by other people imposing themselves. Now you, impose, now you choose to be a giver instead of someone forcing you to be a giver. That's a tremendous freedom. Now understandable, like anyone has to go through healing, sometimes you need to strengthen certain muscles before you can exercise them further. But it should all be done with moderation. And the greatest thing for a person, I say again, is to be a giver. It's the healthiest thing for a human being is to be a giver. A giver where you find that you have what to give and you build the confidence and you say, yes, I have a contribution to make. In a very humble, but also in a very confident and a very secure way. So let us go back to independence. 
There's dependence, there's codependence, and there's independence. And as I've been discussing, independence is much more than just physical independence. Much more than just living in a country, in a land that promises you, guarantees you your rights. That is great. That's an excellent platform. But then comes step two. Or maybe it's step one for all I say. No. Because it could very well be, had the founding fathers not had their inner freedom, they would never have been able to declare an outer freedom. If they didn't have their inner independence, they could never declare outer independence because it took courage. It took strength. It took willpower. It took fortitude for them to finally state and declare independence. That means there was something inside of them that said, let us do so. And they understood that the first thing you can guarantee others is an environment of independence. But the true independence comes when we are, at at our own will and our own choice, choose to be myself and stop being someone someone for others and stop just serving. I just want to clarify and qualify what I'm saying because I don't want anyone to misunderstand. This doesn't mean that you go home right now and tell your spouse, I heard a class tonight that said, it's time for me to just take care of myself and be myself. And I therefore don't want anyone telling me what to do, and I'm giving up on all my obligations. No, that's not what I'm saying. Obligations to the people you love, to people you care for, is part of your independence. Except do it because it's coming from within you, from love, not because someone is insisting on it. You know, there's two ways to deal with a thief. One is you put him in a prison. Another is you rehabilitate him. We're not talking about having a policeman policing and and, uh, and monitoring and telling you exactly what to do, how to love and how to care. We're trying to encourage and discover your own independent spirit within you to do so. But then comes, of course, the big question. If we are part of the mortal world, a world that is defined by creatures of all sorts that are bound by laws. So where do we have room for independence? Does a creature in the wild have independence? It's wired this way. It's programmed this way. When it's hungry, it has to hunt. When the time for breeding comes, it breeds. When the time for, for, for uh, battling, it battles. Protecting its young, it protects its young. And the time to die, it dies. And predators will be predators, and prey will be prey. And the chase goes on, and the balance is kept like a clock. The sun rises when it has to rise, it sets when it needs to set. We're part of the same creation. So what independence? When independence? Let's bring this back to the fact that no, there's one entity in this universe that was endowed with something that others were not. You will not find a pride of lions or a school of fish or any other group, or any creature, creature declaring independence. <clears throat> None of them have ever written a declaration of independence. They are what they are. And they live up to the program for which they were created, like the clock. And they follow those patterns, and they can't change that. But then comes a verse in the Bible that says, Now here's a man. That's like one of us. God is speaking in the plural to spiritual, to his spiritual ministering angels. Like, like us really meaning God, that it was endowed with free will. And that's why the creation of the human being is separate from all other creations. Everything was created. Day one was the light, and day two was the heavens, and day three was vegetation, and day four the luminaries, and day five the creatures in the sea and on land, day six some of the animals, and they six as well, suddenly, Nasa Adam, we shall create the human being in our image. And God took a dust from the earth, a clump of dirt, and, and imbued it, blew into it, breathed into it a soul. He took the earth off our dirt from the ground and imbued it, infused it, and blew into it, breathed into it, nishmas chayim, soul of life. Neshama in Hebrew, soul, also can be read, nishima, breath. The breath of life. What is this exactly? That, that we're not just physical entities 
in part of the natural balance and routines of this world. We have a soul, and a soul can transcend nature. As we see, that even though we're hungry, and every animal when it's hungry goes to feed or to hunt, we can control ourselves. You can't expect a, a predator out there who's hungry, say, you know, Yom Kippur today, today we fast. You try it out. Don't try to convince a creature of that. When, someone ha- when, when something has to happen, it happens. Now, animals are not unethical, but they're not ethical either. They're aethical, if there's a word like that. Amoral. Because they're not making moral choices. We humans can suppress, can increase, can go out of the script. Obviously, within parameters, there are things we can't physically do. But in spirit, you can do whatever you want. And yet we find in a world like ours, you can have physical freedom and the spirit can be completely trapped, as I discussed earlier. So that is the element that we have that makes us unique. Now I know some of you scientists will say, one second, didn't humans just evolve from, from animals? And the animals don't have that, so we don't have it either. We're also wired that way. However you explain this, whether we evolved or didn't evolve, in what way we evolved, there's definitely an element in the human being that an animal does not have. Not only in quantity. Completely different quality, and we see that. We can dominate even the most powerful animals on this earth. We've driven them to extinction. We've cleared fields, we've cleared wildernesses to build our own homes, and we're weaker than they are. But we have not just intelligence, but we also have the ability to transcend ourselves. And that has allowed us to achieve things that no mortal could just achieve on its own. Within the wick and the parameters of a material life. So independence, therefore, is really the embracing of a soaring and singing soul. When you listen to music, try it out. What is happening? And you feel yourself being lifted up to the point you're soaring with a song. You're beating to its... You're tapping, you're, you're moving your feet to its beat. You sing along. All of you is lifted up. What exactly is happening? What's happening is you are transcending your own inner structure. You're experiencing some emancipation, some freedom. That's why it's not surprising that people equate soul, uh, music with soul, equate music with freedom. You know, it's like breaking out. This way I'm all constrained and my life is all structured, I'm grounded and uh, limited. Breaking out. The same is true with any experience that we would call an awesome experience. It could be art, it could be travel, it could be love, it could be intimacy. All of these take us, and if you could describe them in one line, they take us out of the boundaries of our lives. That is an experience of independence. Now the key thing is that you want to experience it in a healthy way. You want to experience not in an addictive way, you just become dependent on something to give you some relief. And above all, you're experiencing transcendence of, from your own self. It's not about me becoming bigger. It's not about me becoming greater. It's actually you dissolving and being absorbed into a higher experience. You ever feel what awe is like? The awe of nature, the awe of beautiful song, the awe of a beautiful athlete. You see it can bring you to tears. You just see this perfection. You see this excellence. You see something that's transcendent. What, you th- what is happening when you get absorbed? You dissolve in that. Your ego, yourself, and your self-consciousness are not the factor. So as much as we'd like to be aware and I want to be in control, it's actually the things you're not in control of. When you're at your most vulnerable, when you're absorbing something greater than yourself is then when you experience the greatest freedom. And therein lies the paradox. We want to control it. Freedom, by definition, is not subject to control. Not you can control, not anyone else can control it. That's why, no matter what oppression they were undergoing, anyone of these great people I mentioned, no one can control their spirits. You can control my body, you can kill me, but you can never control my spirit and my faith and my love and my commitments. That was a tremendous statement. Again, thank God we're not in those times. But can we hold on to such values today? That's exactly what we're challenged to do. That's what independence means today. To hold on to values that no human being can take away from you, can frighten you, 
because it's coming from within you. You know what kind of power that is? It's that power exactly, precisely not the power of someone who is on the defense and insecure and holding on and hoarding and needs to constantly play defense because they don't know when they're going to be attacked. This is the exact opposite. This is a person who has courage generated from within, exuding from within the soul, a free bird. You meet such people, you recognize immediately. They have an element to them that is so um, refreshing, so exhilarating, so freeing. Because you just feel they're not bound. They're not always looking over their shoulder. They're sitting at a table. They're not looking, what are others going to say? This doesn't mean they're not sensitive to other people's opinions, but they're not defined by other people's opinions. Today we have a climate, a tragic climate, the pettiness, the politics of different disagreements. People can't disagree in a way, where, in a civil way. I have to vilify and villainize and demonize somebody because if they don't think that, that, that they don't feel like I do. But maybe you're not so right. How do you know you're, you're 100% right? No. I find that to be the ultimate expression of insecurity. When someone claims to be so secure, so confident, so sure that doesn't leave room for any other opinion, to me, that's the epitome of, this, of, of insecurity. But a person will never admit that. What do you mean? They'll even smirk at another opinion, as if like they got it. Like reminding me of a fellow told me about someone. He said, you know, he hides his ignorance with his arrogance. Arrogance is always coming from a place that's not really secure. Now, it's true, if you may have a position, you can be strong and adamant, but you don't personalize. You don't need to. You don't need to resort to destroy and and character assassinate someone else to be right. Make your case on its own merit. Why does it have to be based, with, based on personalizing, based on, oh, look who that is, and look who that is, and whatever they say, and then smirking when you don't agree? It's so unsophisticated. It's so, frankly, transparent. But people who are in that place, don't think, they think they got it all, they know it all, and that's that, and there's no room for perhaps another way of looking at it. That independence, that's dependence, maybe codependence. So, my friends... On this July 4th, I hear in the background here in New York, fireworks are beginning to take off. Probably will only accelerate to mid- through midnight. What time do we have already? Okay, it's getting there in New York. And that's the way fireworks, I guess it's some demonstration. I'm not taking, it, taking away from it. But that's not where the story is. The headline is, you can be free. Now, I don't need July 4th for that. July 4th is a good excuse to talk about it. Nothing happened on July 4th in some cosmic way. Or maybe I may, may stand corrected. Maybe something did, you know. When the human race comes together, people come together and do declare something and it becomes a nation, most powerful nation in history. I stand corrected. I can't say there isn't a cosmic element. But still, it's not July 4th that gives it to you. July 4th is a reminder and a demonstration of the... the the victory, the dominance of the human spirit to be free. There's a fascinating expression in the book of Leviticus. It says that you are my servants, not servants of my servants. God is speaking to the people. Basically, um, looking down at any form of servitude where a person sells themselves into slavery, from either to cover expenses or debts and so on. You're my servants, not my servants of my servants. The way Mordechai expressed it, or the way the Megillah tells us about Mordechai's behavior, everyone bowed to Haman. But Mordechai, he did not bow, he did not prostrate himself. Why? Because you're my servants, not servants of my servants. You serve a higher force, not another creation. You don't serve, man does not, man does not serve another man, and does not serve other man-made things because we're all of the same material. The creator endowed us with unalienable rights. All men are created equal. So that connection, in a healthy way, and I'll tell you in a minute why I'm qualifying that, that, health, that connection, in a healthy way, is the connection to your divine soul, to your divine right to soar, to your divine ability to fly. Why I say healthy? Because there's also, religion has been unfortunately hijacked very often 
tainted and corrupted. And that's not the religion that brings freedom. That's a religion that just used as another force, force of subjugation and, and subservience. That's an unhealthy, dysfunctional form of religion. Do this, dogma. I'm the one that's telling you. I will judge you. When I say faith, I don't even like the word religion. I'm talking about a connection that goes beyond the human. One that frees us, not one that's that another, another, uh, another, uh, what's the word? another authority imposing itself upon us. So what difference? Here you have a monarch. Here you have a religious leader. Here you have a boss. Here you have someone else, money. So just another form of, of uh, servitude, another form of subjugation. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a connection to the transcendent divine that the founding fathers talked about. That's what we're discussing here. You're a servant to me, not servant to my servants, to man-made things, to other mortals. The ability to connect on that level. This explains, of course, many people say, one second, here you tell me don't serve any human being. Well, serving God is not serving someone. He's not a someone. God is not of this existence. If he was of this existence, that would be a problem, of course. It's precisely beyond existence that you are connecting with, which allows you to transcend existence, to transcend needs and transcend fears and transcend uh, so, um, dependencies and so on. That's what we're talking about, that connection. And how do you do it? As I said, you need to get to know yourself. You need to get to know your own voice. You need to get to know your inner spirit. You do that, one, by learning about it. There are good books that describe. My Omer book dissects the seven emotions of the soul. Other books dissect all the, as the ten spheres of the soul. Get to know your soul. Get to know how it speaks to you. How it expresses itself. And how you can feed it and nourish it and nurture, and nurture it. Number two, hang around people that are soulful people. Maybe that should be number three, whatever the order. Number three, do soulful things. Giving, volunteering, sharing. Singing your song in helping other people. I'm not talking about singing your song just for yourself. It always is in the service of others. These are the three things. So study, action, and environment. You could throw in this also, 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 if you wish, prayer, which is a form of meditation, emotional meditation. But it probably goes in the same category of getting to know yourself. These things actually work. They actually help you create fireworks of your soul, that your soul comes alive. Imagine having that bubbling, as I mentioned, the bubbling excitement. You wake up in the morning, jump out of bed, feel that I'm going to seize the day, carpe diem. I'm going to do something that I've not done before. I'm doing something that no one has done before. Sing your verse. What mark will you make today? What difference will you make? And with your own voice, not someone else's. When you do that, every day goes, at the end of the day, you go home. You go to sleep with a certain satisfaction that you've achieved something. You've made a mark. Maybe a little mark, but it's a mark. And tomorrow will be a better one. I assure you, commit to it, you can do it. Do it with baby steps. Start tomorrow morning, start tonight. with one small thing. Do it differently. You'll get different results. Step by step by step, and suddenly you start building up a repertoire and you'll see yourself growing into a person that you will hardly recognize for the good. Someone that builds the confidence, tries things. And you don't have to make any declarations and therefore not be concerned with people laughing or mocking or, or, dis, or um, judging you and, looking and, look, and measuring and, and waiting to see you fail. You do this as an internal decision. You do it at your pace. You see yourself succeed and you, and, and you reward yourself and do some more. Be around people that have really care and love you, that reassure you, that give you a vote, give you a vote of confidence, that always tell you, yes, you can do it. Join with someone else. Do a project together. 
and always has more synergy and more power. The list goes on. I can give many more ideas, but it's also good for you to come up with your own. Dare, dare to dare. Take a move, make a move. Don't sit on your laurels. Don't sit. Make a move, any move, forward. Attempt this, attempt that. Start going to an art class, a music class, exercise, different sports, whatever it is. Break new ground. Be a trailblazer. You were born an original. Don't become a copy. Independence. Isn't that sound a lot, doesn't that sound a lot better than dependence, codependence, and other forms of other trappings? It's in each one of our hands, and we are here to help each other. Meaningful Life Center and myself are here in any way possible. We depend on your support, and you can depend on our support. Please go to MeaningfulLife.com. Take advantage of all our resources, a wide array. Share with us your thoughts and interests topics you'd like to see addressed, issues you'd like to see addressed of any sort. And we depend on your support. Help us out with volunteering financially. You go to MeaningfulLive.com. Sponsorship, sponsor a class, a program. That's how we build together and turn this world into a more a freer world, an independent world. Something that beyond July, July 4th is beyond just the independence of a country that's free with laws that guarantee our freedom, but also freedom from within. Freedom to be yourself, freedom to build a family, freedom to have children, freedom to love, freedom to find the right soulmate in your life. All the freedoms that are vital, necessary, for the true thriving of the spirit. May you soar, may you fly, and may we all together bring a world that as many people we can reach, like a ripple effect, Feel more, indep- more independent, less subjugated. A freeing world, a freeing life. So with that, I bid you all a very good week, a very independent week, a very free week. It's always an honor to speak and share a few words. Please comment. Please share. Please give us your feedback. We're here for you. And uh, everyone have a very good week. Until next Wednesday, it has been Simon Jacobson talking about Dependence, codependence, and independence. Thank you so much.